Taking a stand for truth. Let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Good Monday morning, my friends. I hope your weekend was a good one, and I pray that you found opportunities for some rest and planned and did some fun things uh, that make your heart feel alive and well. And I hope you're coming into Monday uh, ready for the new week, prepared to see what the Lord has in store. And I'm glad that you're here with us this morning, and we're preparing to move on in our study in the book of Titus, uh, Paul's letter to his ministry apprentice uh, by that name. And Titus was left behind on the island of Crete after Paul, and he established a Christian presence there. And he was tasked with going throughout the island and appointing elders for the church communities in the different towns and places throughout the island of Crete so that the churches might have solid biblical leaders who understood uh, the gospel and were willing to take a stand for the apostles' teaching. As we move on into the final section of chapter 1, Uh, Paul is challenging Titus to take a stand for the truth against those who would uh, try to stir up dissension uh, by uh, the utterances of false teachers and bringing these false teachings into uh, the church, um, which Paul knew had a very strong possibility of disrupting the unity of the church and causing some who were weaker in their faith to stumble and fall. And um, we see here in Crete uh, many of the issues that Paul was addressing in other places um, where false teachers were beginning to make their move and subtly or not so subtly interjecting uh, teachings into the church that were not uh, consistent with uh, the apostles' teaching. And so that's where we find ourselves today. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 16. uh, But before we get into the word, let's go to the author. Heavenly Father, we love you today. Uh, We give you thanks, Jesus, once again, that uh, you faithfully present uh, new mercies to us each and every day. Uh, The problems and failures of yesterday are in the rearview mirror. And today um, is a new day, a new start, a fresh beginning. And we give you thanks, O God, that you are a God of new beginnings. And uh, we give you such great thanks for that, Lord. Uh, Your mercies are new every morning, and your faithfulness is uh, so very great. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We're hungry once again to study it together. And we pray that your spirit would be working through it to bring new insight and understanding that you might deepen what we know about your heart and um, that we might grow to be more like you uh, as we uh, sense your spirit working within us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this time. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, my friends, Titus 1, 10 through 16. Paul writes, For there are many rebellious people, full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced, because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach. 
and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true, therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. <laughs> Paul was pretty riled up here. Uh, he was uh, he's uh, taking a strong posture in these words. Uh, one thing Paul hated was when uh, people who meant the church harm would come in to churches and begin to teach things that were in opposition uh, to the pure gospel. And Paul knew that it was incredibly important uh, to take a stand on the truth of the gospel in order to protect the churches so that they might continue to grow uh, in the truth. Um, he knew that there was serious danger if some of these false teachings could take root at the least, it would stir up dissension. At the most, it could, um, it could destroy the churches. And so Paul, as a pastor and as a spiritual father to these young ones in the faith, uh, feels very strongly about what he's encouraging Titus to do. And he's encouraging Titus to take a strong stand against these people who are competing with and intentionally trying to do harm to the gospel. He talks about, uh, at the beginning of 10, he says there's many rebellious people uh, full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. Now, it's interesting to me that Crete, being an island, already has uh, the issue that some of the other churches were having with the Judaizers. <laughs> Seems like wherever Paul goes, they're not too far behind. And the notion of the circumcision group is that they're teaching that to be a Christ follower... Uh, the male uh, Christian converts in these Gentile places uh, would have to be circumcised uh, as an outward sign of their uh, conversion to Christ. Now, Paul says this is ridiculous. Uh, they're to be rejected. Um, and they are uh, teaching something that's false. Um, so he describes these people as rebellious. In other words, they're working against the pure gospel. So that's rebellion against God. They're talking about lots of meaningless things. They're being deceptive. And he especially points to the Judaizers. And what is his uh, resolution to this? How does he say to remedy this? They must be silenced. In other words, throw them out of the church because they're disrupting whole households. Now, uh, he's mentioning households because that's likely where the church groups across the island of Crete were meeting. Much like we see in Acts chapter 2, the church was a house church. Um, in places where they were not forced underground by persecution, they could meet in people's homes. And it is precisely in these people's homes that Paul was encouraging Titus to raise up uh, elders who would be appointed to be leaders in these house churches. They would be the ones taking the lead as far as teaching and um, helping to appoint others to lead in other aspects of the church where there were needs, caring for the elderly or the widows, making sure that households who were struggling 
had sufficient things that they needed, all the things that we do in the church today. And so these elders would have been leading these house churches. And uh, Paul says, uh, the ones who are speaking out and doing and teaching things that are false should be silenced because they're disrupting these churches by teaching things they ought not to teach. In other words, they're infusing things that are beyond the gospel and not consistent with the gospel into the life of these congregations. And that for the sake of dishonest gain. Now, I wonder how these people uh, took up roles of leadership. I uh, wonder if they sort of implanted themselves in these congregations and slowly started infusing this false teaching into uh, into this um, into this setting. And then I wondered if they started saying they would be happy to perform the circumcisions and for a fee or someone they knew they would have the uh, possible candidates for circumcision go to someone and they were excising a fee for that act. I'm not exactly sure uh, how they were promoting dishonest gain, but it certainly factors into what they were teaching. Uh, Paul says in verse 12, one of Crete's own prophets has said it, in other words, identifying the character of the Cretans by saying that they're always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. It almost sounds like an island of gypsies, uh, people who were dishonest and always trying to, uh, or carnies, trying to swindle people. Um, they'd rather take the easy route than do uh, a good day of hard work. Um, he says this saying is true. <laughs> so Paul, by way of experience and probably by way of the reputation of these people making word back to him is confirming that that's a true statement. <laughs> Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith. There's something to that. And I think that the church today is not always as courageous as we ought to be in correcting uh, false teaching in the midst of the church setting. Uh, some people can be very insistent about what they think or they're getting a lot of what they understand from a Christian teacher who might be on the fringes of evangelical Christianity and teaching things that are not consistent with it. Now, there are some names that come to mind contemporarily, one of them being Joel Osteen, uh, and there are others who frequently get pegged as being outside of the orthodox evangelical Bible-oriented gospel presentation. Uh, one week you may tune into his program and hear a clear articulation of the gospel, and the next 10 weeks you may only hear what sounds like self-help teaching. And um, uh, many people have identified Joel and put him in the camp of um, self-help teacher, not really a, a gospel preacher, uh, someone who is encouraging people toward new age thinking, uh, someone who's clearly in the camp of prosperity gospel teaching. Um, and so I'm assuming that in a similar way, uh, Paul is talking about folks who were outside of the sound Christian doctrine uh, laid out by the apostles. And uh, he says, rebuke them sharply. In other words, uh, Make sure people know what they're teaching is not the, the, the gospel. It's outside of the gospel and it needs to be silenced. Rebuke them. And in one place he says silence them. 
um, so that they'll be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths back to the Judaizers or to merely human commands of those who reject the truth. So it sounds like there were some other worldly philosophies working in, and certainly uh, we need to be mindful of that today in the church. We need to be careful that even in our Bible studies, even in our small groups, as someone is uh, carrying on about a particular idea, that we check it against the teaching of God's Word. God's Word uh, is the complete revelation that the Lord has given us, and uh, whatever is being taught or said or embraced should be checked against the Word of God. If it's not consistent with the Word, if it flies in the face of the Word, if it's in opposition to the Word, then it is to be rejected. Um, it is to be rebuked so that uh, it does not do harm to others' faith, especially those who are weaker in the faith or new to the faith. Um, he goes on in 15, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. Makes sense. Um, if your heart is pure and right before the Lord and you exercise your freedom in Christ uh, and you participate in certain things that your conscience does not uh, um, correct you on, then uh, as long as it's not clearly against the gospel or against the teachings of Christ, then you're free to do that thing. And so if your heart is pure, then... What you pursue will be pure because your heart is turned to the will of God and God's spirit in you will not direct you to do anything that would call you into conflict with the will of God. So to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In other words, they're already participating in corrupt things <laughs> and their heart is uh, bent toward that which is corrupt. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. Uh, there's a place a person can get where their conscience has been seared and they no longer respond to uh, the tug of uh, uh, their conscience when they're faced with doing wrong things. They willfully go in and don't think twice about it. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. I think we see this play out in the church at times. We have someone who's very vocal about their faith, but behind the scenes they're jockeying for their own interests, or they're working against leaders, or they're stirring up trouble, and by their very actions, they deny the God they claim to know. Paul says those people are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. I think we run into people like that in the church, and it's very important that when we know someone is behaving in such ways, behind the scenes especially, uh, that they, we bring some attention to that, to the leaders in the church. So that a godly resolution, uh, a confrontation can take place so that that person can be called back toward proper behavior, uh, godly behavior. And if they're confronted with truth and they're uh, willing to be contrite and, and seek forgiveness, then uh, I believe they can stay within the fellowship. If they insist that they're doing nothing wrong and we have proof that they have, uh, then th there might need to be some church discipline that's exercised uh, as it relates to that particular person's behavior. I think there's some good stuff here, my friends. Uh, gosh, I could go on and on. Uh, I feel like you could take these six verses and unpack each one of them as a separate day and a separate teaching, uh, but we're going to try to keep things moving. Tomorrow we'll pick up in Titus chapter 2, and I thank you for stopping by to study today.